Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio. 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Thanks to Ruminations for another great show. Uh, highlighting issues around homelessness. Uh, my name's Bill, and for the next hour, my guest will be sharing his journey of recovery from uh, active addiction. Uh, I'd like to welcome Simon to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Hi. Um, as a member of Narcotics Anonymous, um, Simon's going to share his experience with drug addiction and how NA has helped him. Um, so, Simon, we usually start talking about what it was like growing up and I guess your your introduction to to drugs and alcohol with your friends and, and family. So, what was life like, you know, before you before drugs and alcohol, and when did they come into your life? Okay, so um, like I grew up in the country in a um, small town by the sea. Grew up on a bit of a farm. Um, you know, I went to school. I did. I played football. I did all the normal things that a a person would do. Um, there wasn't much trauma there. I had a I had a great life really. Um, you know, and I started to grow up in those teenage years and, you know, everyone started smoking dope and drinking and, and the parties were going and, and I sort of fell into that scene. It was so, a, so how old were you at that stage? Uh, 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was about 16 when I started smoking dope and, um, yeah, I took to it like a duck to water. It was uh, great. I really enjoyed it and, um, you know, I felt I felt free. I felt like I'd found something in, in, um, in drugs. Um marijuana and I, I really ran with it you know I, I created my whole identity around drugs and 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 surfing and like I was like a hippie man I was cool yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right I felt part of so how did it make you feel what sort of things did it resolve it, it was really you know going to school and the you know the influences my parents had on me you know they wanted me to do well and to study and, and the influences teachers had on me they wanted me to um you know because I was reason to be smart I was good at maths I was good at physics I was I was okay at English <laughs> um you know I, I was more than capable of doing whatever I wanted to do so I guess there was the 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 added pressure that you know I had to perform well and I had to you know make something of my life, um, and and drugs really took that away, right? Um, you know, because I think for a young person it can be really overwhelming. You know those those times in school, and it, and it and it seemed easier for me just to forget about it. Yeah. And you know I found that in drugs. I found a way to you know escape reality um, through using drugs. Escape so. the expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. How did you progress then? So I guess parties were usually weekend affairs or? Yeah, mostly. Um, in the beginning, um, I grew older and I found, you know, when I was 18, I found more parties to go to and, um, on Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, nightclubs, um, and, you know, and then, and then you throw ecstasy in the mix and you've got a great party. Right. You, know, yep. you, got, you, got, you go out at night, you have, you have one ecstasy tablet and, and you're pumping for the whole night. Right. And then you go home and you can, you know, smoke marijuana and um, chill out for the whole weekend. Yeah. And it sort of wasn't long before, you know, that progressed during t- into weekdays and, and 
um, overlapped in work and, you know, it started to create a few problems there. Okay. Yeah. So how were you about the stage? Um, when I really got into that, that party scene and, you know, the ecstasy and the speed and stuff, um, I was about 21. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you got to uni by then? Uh, yeah. So I went to uni when I was 19. Okay. Um, yeah, it was all just sex, drugs and rock and roll right. from the get-go. Right. There was no classes or study groups. It was just party, party, party. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how did you last three years then? Um, you must have done something. I've got no idea. Right. Yeah. I have no idea, seriously. Yeah. Um, I showed up a few times um, and made up lies and pretended that everything was okay. Um, sort of knowing on the side that I wasn't doing the right thing, but I, I just, you know, I was just, I, I'll just put that aside for now and I'll keep doing what I'm doing because I'm having so much fun, um, you know, and it, it, I couldn't really keep that up for too long. No. The, the, the guilt sort of got, got, okay, I'm not really actually doing anything with my life except for using drugs and, and partying and, and, Stuff like that. So, you know, that that sort of caught up with me and I said, okay, I'm not going to – I'm going to go get a job <laughs> right. and do something, yeah. Right. So um, so where did the job take you? Um, that took me over to South Australia. Okay. Yeah. I, have, I have family over there and, and that's what they'd call a geographical to try and, you know, get, get away from it all and um, fresh start. Yeah, yeah, fresh start. Okay. Yeah. And so did that work? For a, for a period, a brief period, I think about a year, I tried to change my life around and and focus on work and and family and um doing something different and staying up all night and and partying um and it worked for a brief while until you know I I I sort of felt like something was missing you know there was something in my life missing and and. Um, eventually I started smoking, um, marijuana again and, um, it, it all, it all sort of started again. The, the, the parties and the, the obsession to use drugs. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> um, so I guess you got back fairly quickly once you started again. Yeah. Within a, within a day I was, or two days I was smoking every, marijuana every day. Right. You know, I'd, I'd have some at lunchtime and. You know, I, I was still working then and pretty hard. And, um, yeah, that it didn't really solve anything. It wasn't what I was looking for. You know, I I'd made the decision, you know, a year ago to stop smoking marijuana because you know I knew it didn't work. And and then all of a sudden I'm smoking marijuana again, and it just sort of wasn't cutting it. You know, so um, I'm you know I was rummaging through my auntie's. Uh, medicine cabinet and I found some oxycodone and, and you know I started taking that and and yeah and instantly I was sort of you know I fell in love right yeah so um it must have been hard to find a lot of yeah yeah it, it was I guess it it was at the beginning but you know I I, I seeked it I wanted it so I got it you know right. that that drive that you know I put into drugs. If I had to put that into any other field of my life, you know I'd be able to excel. But I had such a a wanting for more and 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 that searching and seeking, and I was looking in all the wrong places. And it's pretty it's easy to find when you when you've got that drive to use drugs. You know, especially for 
addicts, you know, we have that, yeah, if we want drugs, we're going to get them. Right. So what did you have to do to get OxyContin? Um, Well, I had to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. I had to make a lot of money. Um, You know, it it, it took me to a place where I had to steal eventually. Um, But I had to um, network. You know, I had to hang around with, you know, the people that your parents tell you not to hang around with, you know, the ones that had had all the drugs. Um, you know, I had to spend uh, late nights searching. I had to, um, yeah, I had to do a lot of not normal things, you know. So okay. hanging out with friends, that was on the wayside now. Yep. Um, playing Xbox, that was on the wayside. Watching TV, that was on the wayside. Surfing, sport, all that was that was gone, yeah. Because most most of my time was sort of consumed by that, that right. seeking. Yeah. So what did it what did it do for you that uh, marijuana couldn't? Um, I guess I guess it gave me that more freedom. You know, the, the first time I started smoking marijuana, that's what I found when I first started smoking marijuana. But I'd, I'd abused that for you know so many years. It just eventually stopped working, and I couldn't I couldn't kid myself to to convince myself that it, it was. Um, helping you know but when i started again on on a new drug it was it's it, it started again it all started again i'm back to 16 years old and i'm free you know yeah right uh so when when you said it, it solved your problems what sort of did you have emotional problems that you needed to address i think i, I wouldn't consider myself like an anxious person or someone who gets depressed a lot but I, th- I think I just had an underlying um, uneasiness um, about life and um, you know I, I think from using drugs and you know forming opinions about the world and, and what what the government says and what other people say about drugs you know I, I like to form my own opinions on things and the general consensus that I heard were drugs were bad you know but but how could something you know that made me feel so good be so bad you know so I had that had that conflicting yeah. thoughts in my head and, and, you know, I always turned to the, the evidence that I saw and, and, you know, drugs only made me feel good, you know, yeah. up until a point. Yeah. So were you still working at this stage? Uh, yeah, I was still working, yep. Yeah, yeah I was um, working full-time on a farm and I had another job on the weekends <laughs> and I'd work in bars as well. So I was I was quite, you know, I was quite outgoing with my work. Um, I like to say I worked hard um, sometimes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was I was uh, I look normal from the outside. I, yep. I look really normal from the outside, right. and and of course, you throw the drugs in the mix. Um, you, you've got a functioning human being who's happy and and all that sort of stuff. A bit more relaxed. Yeah, a bit yeah. more relaxed, yeah. definitely. Right. So you didn't have any problem working in a bar with alcohol. Alcohol wasn't an issue, or yeah, so. Alcohol was sort of that was like a that was quite frowned upon in my family. You know, I'd, I'd grown up with an alcoholic uncle, and I saw the damage that that did. And um, I, um, my my parents sort of drilled it into me that you know you've got to be careful how much you drink. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I, I was always careful about how much I drank, and and I'd never get too. Um, I'd never get too in deep with alcohol, yeah. and I, f- I felt like with with the the drugs, you know, I felt like I'd found something a bit better. You know, I, f- I felt like I'd 
found a bit a bit more of a better solution. Okay, you know? yeah. Because with alcohol comes hangovers. Um, you know, with, with the oxies, it was um, it, what there was no hangovers in the beginning. It was quite. It was just take them, feel good. That was it. Right. Yeah. Wow. In the beginning. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, how did it progress from there then? Um, what yeah. What's the next stage? Okay, the next stage. It was so I'm having I'm having a great time, you know. I'm I'm just getting along, bopping along. I'm high as um, I'm doing work. I'm feeling great, um, and you know, one day I, I decided that you know maybe I'll try this IV thing that everyone does. And um, like I just went to the chemist one day. I bought um, a needle and and I started doing that. Uh, and from that moment, yeah, it was it was just like the next level. It was like you know the first time I took a drug, it was like it, it increased the 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 strength of the drug and, and the potency, and and it made it just that much better. Wow! In in that moment, okay, yeah, yeah. But so did it last as long? Was it as good? Yeah, yeah. it lasted just as long. It was stronger. Um, you know, the first week I had to use less, so I was saving money. <laughs> um, but it it. It it is like they say. Very quickly, it just catches up to you, and you, you're um, on your knees very quickly. Right. You know, you're searching and seeking for more and more. You know. Okay. So, how old are you now? I'm 27 now. Yeah, but how old were you at that point? Uh, I was 22. 22. Okay. Yeah, 22 when I started um, IV injections. So. Okay. Okay. Um. So. What. It must have been difficult to continue that continue injecting daily for very long. Uh, it was I, I I kept it up for a little while um, until my parents found out because of course um, there comes a um, the, the obsession to use that way was was so strong. Um, like I just wasn't myself. I needed, you know I put and then I started putting work to the side and and um, putting this thing this thing first and um you know my parents eventually cottoned on and, and and you know then they're getting me to try and seek help even though I wasn't sure I had a problem but yeah that were um pushing me towards the 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 doctors and um I ended up on methadone the methadone program um yeah so um <clears throat> so did you want to be on it or was that just convenience for to get them off your back yeah it was quite convenient at the time to get them off my back right um well like i said i i I was still i still actually had a job so that that part of my life was okay um and the drugs were still working um but the methadone was a way to sort of you know make make it look like i was actually doing something okay yeah Yeah. uh welcome back we're um you're listening to 3cr uh living free um we're on 3CR radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial, and 3CR on your digital radio. Um, I'm pleased to be able to advise that we are now podcasting our shows, uh, and the last four or five episodes are available on the Living Free webpage, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash Living Free, and also on iTunes. Um, so we'll be podcasting each new show progressively and including our earlier shows as time permits. Uh, you can also contact us on 3CRLivingFree at gmail.com if you want to ask a question or comment on the show. 
We've got a 3CR fundraiser, so I'll just play that for you. Hello? Listen, I had a great idea. Male chauvinist pig versus hairy leg feminist. You're still a feminist, right? I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. The battle you've all been waiting to see. The battle of the sexes. You want to see it, right? Then get along and support 3CR at the Palace Withcast Cinemas, 89 High Street, Northcote, on Thursday, October 5th, from 6.30pm, for a screening of Battle of the Sexes. You're offering the men's winner eight times what you're offering the women's winner. The men are simply more exciting to watch. It's just biology. (laughs) The story of the infamous tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Tickets are $25 and $20 concession. You can purchase online at 3cr.org.au direct from the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, or by phoning 9419 8377 during business hours. All funds raised go to Keeping 3CR on Air. Battle of the Sexes screening, Thursday, October the 5th from 6.30pm. Does she have the nerve? Call Barbie. Time it's on. Uh, hi. Um, today we're talking about recovering from uh, drug addiction, and I've got Simon with me from who's also a member of Narcotics Anonymous. Um, so, Simon, we were talking about um, finally getting to the point of injecting drugs um, and things started to get out of control pretty quickly. Um, so when did you... I, I think you said you are about 22 or so um, yeah. and you'd just gone on to a methadone program. Yeah. So how long did that last before things changed? So I was on methadone for four years, um, and in that time, I was, you know, using a lot of different drugs. I tried heroin, um, I tried ice. Um, yeah, it was really just a, um, a excuse the language, shit fight, um, trying to keep my head above water and present as a normal human being. Like I'd try different jobs. Um, you know, the the longest I think I'd last in a job was about six months. Um, I just I just wasn't functioning as I should for that time um, because my main primary was just to get high. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you have any relationships at that point? Yeah, I had I had a relationship um, with this girl. Um, it was pretty. It, w- it wasn't very healthy to say the least. You know, my main focus was, like I said, to. Um, the getting and using of drugs and uh, everything else sort of fell by the wayside. But I tried to, um, I tried to keep up appearances and, and take her on dates and stuff like that. But my head just wasn't there. It was, right. yeah. I, I didn't at that time. I didn't see the point in a relationship. Um, the only real thing I got out of it was, you know, the sex, um, because I just, I just wasn't functioning properly. My, 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 um, you know. Sp- spiritual decay i wasn't i wasn't able to enjoy things um you know i was really just just searching and seeking for something to make me feel better and i I still believe that it was i was going to find that in drugs um throughout that time um so i just i just tried to use more and more and and mix different cocktails and and just keep searching for that that magical hit that's gonna 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 fix everything and, and make me feel okay. Right. And so, what did you find? Um, I found despair, uh, hopelessness, um, pain, suffering, misery, 
um, homelessness, um, all the bad, all the things you don't want to find. Right. Yeah. If you're looking for something, you don't want to find those things. Um, it it was yeah. In the end, it was just I I I sort of had a, a point where I was able to just look at myself and and say, okay, Simon, you know, this wasn't the plan. This was not the plan at all. The plan was not to end up, you know, with my parents um, shunning me and homeless, living on some guy's couch, um, just trying to find a way to score drugs, yeah. Right. So what sort of drugs were you taking at this point? Um, I was using a lot of ice. Um, I was using a lot of heroin, um, methadone and... A new drug, it's called Tepentadol. That was another thing I'd found that I thought might fix me, and, and I was using that as well. Um, Xanax, Valiums, all sorts of benzos, anything I could get my, get my hands on, really. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like an incredible cocktail of stuff. That, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't really know what was what was doing it and what wasn't. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it was pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah, definitely expensive. You know, I think I started up dealing um, to try and support my habit, um, stealing from my parents, um, from others, just ripping people off, you know, especially other other people like me, you know, who are searching and seeking for drugs. They're just, they're just willing to fork out any money and I just tell big whoppers to try and get, get more money and, and right. spend it on drugs. Okay. That was like, that was my main focus to, you know. The getting and using of drugs, getting money any any way is possible. I could get you know the ways I'd learn anyway. Yeah, okay. Well, I suppose you had some pretty good teachers. Uh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess eventually drugs become all consuming. So what what happens at that point where you've run out of money and? Okay, so so my parents were. They were there for me, you know. They they'd sort of you're not coming back to the house. We're not giving you any money, um, and we we will support you though, you know, in going to a rehab. So that they've said this to me about three months prior, and just one particular day, um, I'd had enough of the whole situation, the people I was hanging around with, with the things I was doing. Um, you know, I called them up and said, I, I need to go to rehab. And they said, "Good, we're talking to this guy. You can you can go in on Thursday." Um, and I, I made a decision to you know put the put the methadone down and, and try and thaw off that for the few days prior to rehab. How'd yeah. that go? Uh, it was yeah, it was painful. I hadn't never made a decision before to stop using drugs. Um, it was really the first time. I've, I had it in my head to try out a detox, but um, I'd never, never actually gone through with it, and it was, yeah, it was really painful. You know, the, the withdrawal symptoms after, you know, so many years of, of using um, opiates uh, were, were hectic, yeah, to say the least. Um, and but I eventually I got up to Melbourne and I was, yeah, going to rehab. Okay. So what's the rehab experience um, like? I guess coming in, there's, they've got to try and figure out 
what you're up to, what you've been up to, what you're likely to do, all those things. So what's the experience for you as a user coming into to rehab? Yeah, so it's it's quite surreal. So like I said, I'd, I'd put down the methadone, so I was really just a... I was in a really bad state and um, I didn't really know what was going on. Um, I remember when I got to rehab, they gave me a few Valiums and, and that was great because I was just... I was in such a mess and I really really didn't want to go at that point I just wanted to use one more time just just to take the edge off and feel a bit better but I go I go in you know they they search your bags make sure you don't ha- not bring any in any drugs and they introduce you to all the other people who are there um who are going through the exact same things you are and ha- are trying to give up drugs as well it's um yeah once you get in there it's quite it's quite it's quite a welcoming environment. You, know, you can make friends pretty easily. You've got a lot of similarities. And, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. One thing I want to go back to, um, you mentioned off air that you, just before you went in, yeah, you, you did one last um, drug take. So yeah. do you want to just talk about that briefly? Yeah, so that was, that was sort of another point, um, another low, I guess. So, you know... In I was staying up all night. Obviously, I wasn't sleeping through the withdrawals, and um, I was in the hotel room. and And Dad left his wallet out there, and and I took a bit of money. And you know, I'd never really scored in Melbourne before. Um, and the first place that came to my head was the Gatwick. Um, and you know, I was down there for half the night, just knocking on people's doors. You know, using dirty fits and stuff like that. Stuff I'd never really done before. But, you know, I, I was doing it um, and throughout the next week I sort of had time in rehab to think about that and, and that's, you know, that's where my using w- will get me again and um, that's where it's it got me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's important to be able to visualise those things and remember yeah. them so that you, um, in future, it's not an issue for you. Well, I, I think it's really easy to, to pretend that, you know, it's not going to happen to anyone. Um, and I never, never thought in ever that something like that, you know, ending up there, you, you walk past it now. I mean, it's getting demolished, but you walk past it and you go, wow, look at these people, their, their life's over and that's just disgusting. And, and yet I was, I was still a part of that, you know, that's that, you know, I could end up there easy. Yep. Okay. So, um, you're getting into, into rehab, you're starting to. The first week must have been must have been hard. Yeah, coming. So, what what sort of things do you do on the first week? So, the first week, it's it, they call it a grace period, and um, they really just have you walking around, sleeping. But they they always get you to a meeting, you know, um, a meeting of NA um, every day. That's sort of the, what they do, and um, the rest of the time you can just sort of relax and and um, go in your room. You can join in on the groups if you want. You know they have they run good groups on on certain things and um, yeah you've got that time just to think about what you what you're gonna do and and try and get get into the routine of things and, okay. and make friends. Yeah. So do you start feeling better without drugs in that, or is it still hard? No, no, no. not at all. It's it's still very hard. So with the the drugs that I was on, the methadone, it, it takes quite a while um, for that to flush out of your system. Um, they had me on a, a gradual detox, 
So, like I said, I put down the methadone for four days, but they wanted to put me back on. So it's quite risky to go cold turkey on, on methadone and then go to rehab because you're just as likely to jump the fence and go back out there and use. Um, you know, and I've seen it over my time. In and I, you know, people who've had a bit of time off, off the methadone go and use and, you know, they're dead. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, w- it wasn't easy. It was very um, difficult period to to give up the drugs because I'm left with um, chronic withdrawal symptoms and um, all the th- all the things I've done to use drugs. Yeah. I'm left with that all rattling around in my head and, um, you know, turning to NA for, for some relief. Right. So what is it about NA that helps you at that point? Um, so I, I guess I work, walked into my first meeting and I heard people's stories who were quite similar to mine. Um they seem to be at peace with it and at peace with themselves. You know, that that was one of the main things that, that really, really um, interested me and, and also the fact that I can go in there and talk about my issues and, and the things that I struggle with, especially in early recovery coming out of drug addiction. I, um, I, I didn't know where to turn to talk about these things. The fact that I was stealing money, the fact that I was shooting up, um, in back alleys and all that sort of stuff, you know, the, the support network I had when I was using was my parents and my and drug dealers, you know, and, yeah. and it's really hard to talk about. It's hard to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's it, to talk to your parents about um, what you're actually doing. It's next to impossible mm. when you're doing it, and to talk to a drug dealer about what you're doing, it's just a laugh. You know, yeah. it's not. There's no serious conversation there and there's no goal mm. behind it. But coming to NA, everyone has the same same goal and that's to stop using it and have a better life. Okay. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's part of the thing, I guess, is being able to talk openly and honestly for the first time mm. to other people yeah. about a problem that you have. Um, it must be pretty liberating to be able to um, get it off, off, your, off your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's extremely, it's extremely relieving and, and it comes, there comes a freedom with that. Um, and you know, a, a finally a place where you, you almost fit yeah. you know, with, with being on the outside and, and a, a junkie, so to speak, you know, you, you found a place where, um, you can be yourself. Yeah. But it's safe. Yeah. yeah it's safe. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how long did you stay in rehab? Uh, I was in rehab for five months. So I did quite a long detox before I actually stopped taking drug replacement. Um, and then I was in there for three months after that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, th- and that was time for me to gather my thoughts and um, just calm down a bit and, and have the obsession to use lifted a bit. Yeah. Okay. So what what did you find was was helpful to you that that allowed you to I guess to listen to other people and just to um, not obsess about drugs? What was what what sort of things helped you? Um, probably the best thing about NA is I get to go and listen to what's going on for other people. You know, I've been selfish and self obsessed for so long that everything is about me and everything that's going on 
you know, for me is is the be all and end all. It's the it's the end of the world. What's going on in my head, especially in early recovery. Um, and then I can go to meetings and listen to what other people are going through. And some other people in meetings are going through a lot more than what I'm going through. And there's relief in that. It's it's you you just you get to you know connect with other people there and feel what they're feeling and, and you know you, you have an appreciation for what what you're going through as well. Yeah. Um. And and there's some relief in that. Okay. So did you find telling your own story, um, cathartic or liberating for you? Just to be able to be honest and say what it was, what it was like for you. Did you did did that make you feel better? Well, yeah, I guess it's an admission to yourself. It's just you're saying it out to the world and to other people for you know almost the first time and you're having other people who, who nod their heads and come up to you after me and say, hey, I've done that as well or I relate to that yeah. or someone who's who's been clean and sober for 20 years who um, who who looks completely different to you, look who feels completely different to you feel but yet that they've still done the same sort of things, yeah. And and yet look look at them now. You know they're running a business or or something. You know, normal everyday people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is amazing, is it? That the recovery from such a low point. Yeah, is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you know through NA, you you see it multiple times. People get their life back together. You know there's there's people in in NA who would not resemble what they used to be like. Yeah, you know, they're completely different people. Yeah, it's a great thing about recovery. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, you're listening to Living Free on 3CR digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Uh, today we're talking about drug addiction recovery, and I'm talking to Simon from Narcotics Anonymous. Um, so Simon, you've been in rehab for about twelve. Oh no, five months, and. Um, You've moved out to a supported accommodation. So yeah. um, what sort of freedoms does that give you? Um, lots. It's like getting thrown back into the mixer and, and you've got your phone, um, you're interacting with other people, um, people who are drinking, people who are using on the street. Um, uh, you're interacting with your parents again, your family. Yeah, You're doing all the normal things you're doing just without work and... Um, financial stresses and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So how how's the transition back? Is it a bit of a shock? Yeah, definitely. It's 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 a it's a big hit in the face, and um, all of a sudden you are confronted with some of the reasons you know why you used in the first place. The reasons you know escaping reality and stuff like that. You 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 smack back to reality straight up, and um. Yeah, I found relief in in the rooms of NA and and talking with other people about how they got through it and and their experience. And, um, yeah, I found a lot of help there, a lot of relief. Sometimes I'd do three meetings a day, um, depending on how I was feeling, um, whether I was stressed out or struggling with something. I think, you know, even to give an example... You know, sit, standing on a train when there's you know a hundred other people in the carriage, that was that was a struggle. You know, it was just like, wow, there's so many people here, and um, you know, all that sort of stuff comes flooding back. Okay, yeah. yeah. So um, if it's it's sort of supported accommodation, so there's other people there who who obviously have drug and alcohol um, yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What, what sort of things are they doing that 
that help you? Well, they're essentially they're in the same place in recovery that you are. They're going through okay. the same feelings and emotions that you're going through, and it's such a relief to have someone there going through the exact same stuff because you can just you can just talk to each other about it. Sometimes you can even laugh about it, right? And, and just think, how silly is that? Yeah. And it's yeah, it's it's um, therapeutic, I guess, to have have people doing the same thing you're doing around you and in the same place you are. Um, and yeah, it's good. Yeah. So did any did you or anybody else have the you know desire to break out and just leave and revert or? Um, of course, there's always that that feeling maybe that a drink would be nice or um in my case some heroin um but the consequences for me you know um are quite quite large you know I'll always go back to that place um at the Gatwick where you know my life was over essentially and I was in a terrible place as far as having a drink um you know I've I've never really felt like having a drink it's always been using drugs and um, I guess for for an addict or alcoholic to um, want to have a drink, it's really normal. But it, it's also important to remember that it's normal for other people who who don't suffer from addictions to um, get home from work on a Friday night and have a beer and and just want to de-stress. You know, so so of course we're always going to feel like a beer or feel like using a drug just to to escape reality for that certain point. But the, the I think the thing is with me to remember is that I just don't have one, you know. One's not never enough, um, and you know I just I have that physical obsession that gets sets off set off when I have one, and I just crave it and I want more and more. Yeah, yeah. I guess I've heard the alcoholic talk about the allergy, yeah. and um, there it's it's an allergic reaction, and the thing about yeah they crave more of it. Whereas most allergies, you tend to push it away. Yeah. But with drugs and alcohol, you tend to want more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which must be very difficult. It's for something that's so bad for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it it alters your mind, so you've you're not you're not actually thinking like your normal self. You know, you you, you see on on Saturday nights, Friday nights, you see people get king hit in the city. They're all they're all people under the influence. They're not making good decisions. They're drinking and driving, you know, because you're not in the right frame of mind. And and when you're not in the right frame of mind, you make bad decisions. Yeah. You know, so I don't. I just don't risk it. Yep. And I guess if you're under the influence of drugs and alcohol, you can make some pretty bad decisions as well once you're there. Yeah. 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 And and that's that's been my story. You yeah. know, whenever I'm using, it's just just one bad decision after the next. Yeah. Um. So how long did you stay in um, supported accommodation effectively? For- uh, I was in there for nine months. Okay. Yeah, yep. So I had that time to um, breathe, find out who I am, um, and and start to come to terms with my past and and move on with my life. So you know I can feel like my life's not over. Um, it's not the end of the world, and that you know I can find some um, contentment, you know, and serenity in life without drugs. Yeah. Because you know, um, it's important once we put down the drugs to find some of that, you know, without drugs and find it in other places like exercise, um, adventure, surfing, whatever it may be, art. You know, it's important to find something in that because you know, well, 
before we were you know we were searching for something in drugs we never found it but and now we put down the drugs we need to find that that thing we were searching for right so is it is part of that self-confidence is just feeling okay yeah yeah definitely you know and I guess what works for me is going to NA and, and working the 12 steps. Yeah. It's been, been been the bulk of it. It talks about it in step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry the message to the alcoholic addict still suffering. Yeah. You know? um, and a part of part of the disease, it's a, they call it a spiritual malady. You know, we're not... We're not I, I'm not in... When I'm using, I'm not in contact with my spirit or my soul. You know, I, it sounds a bit crazy, but you know, w- once you start working the steps, you start to you start to gain some some of that back, and you start to feel like you're connected to the world and being a part of society as a whole. Yeah, it must feel good. Yeah, it feels great. Yeah. It feels great. Yeah. And like I said, I'm an addict of all things, and I'm yeah. always craving more. So yeah. you know, that's my that's my drug now. <laughs> right. Uh, and the other one is, I guess, um, people typically find that some things trigger them to think about using drugs or alcohol, and, and it's either a high or a low usually. It's not, it's not usually something mundane. It's usually some event. So do you have sort of triggers that make you think, mm, well, maybe? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, quite a lot actually. Um, e- even just walking down... Like I've walked down Victoria Street, even just seeing someone on the nod, you know, you, you, it takes you back to to when you were there. I can sometimes be sitting, um, sitting down, and I just happen to look down at my arm, and I see a big vein there, and I go, and I, and it instantly triggers that that time when I when I stuck a needle in there, and right. you know, got a hit because yeah. I've done it so many times. It's, yeah, it's part of my brain. Your thoughts, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um. So the other thing is coming to terms with the self, but um, once you come to terms with the self, then there's the relationships with other people. So how's, how's that improved for you? Um, family's a big one. Um, you know, I was never able to face and front up to my family because I felt so much shame and guilt and I felt their expectations on me. Um, you know, mainly mainly because I felt like I had to perform or be something. I'm, you know, be something better or something else. And now it's not like that at all. I feel like I can, I can just be myself. You know, whatever I'm doing. You know, working part time, um, or doing meetings or or doing the gym. It's enough. You know, it's enough for them to love me. You know, yeah. Whereas before, it, it was never enough. You know, I, I should have had the best career or I should have been working really hard and to try and impress them. But now, you know, they love me for who I am. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's a good feeling. Isn't it's it? great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I suppose you, you now look forward to things that in drug using, it was only the next hit. Really. Yeah. So yeah. what sort of things are you looking forward to? Uh, yeah. Lots of things. Um, travel. Um, study to learn new things, um, just live really, um, adventure, see new places, see new faces, make new friends, um, form new connections, all this stuff. There's a friend of mine that's been on Facebook, they've been doing a walk in Japan um, and that's been one of my dreams to just go over there and do that walk and because of 
you know, the methadone and the heroin, there was no chance of that, you know. There was yeah. no chance I could put it down to even get over there for a week, let alone um, a month, which is when I want to go. But, yeah. yeah, I've got goals and I can work towards that stuff. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so the other other one is, um, I guess, part of uh, recovery is, is developing a spirituality and, and some sort of communication. So did you have any other connections um, for you? Um, is that when I was using? No, now. Well, oh, now? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. do you find that you need to connect with other things apart from people? Do you yeah. have a spiritual... Yeah, well, I'd, I need to connect with nature. That's one of my big, you know, I, I grew up in the country and my my mum's quite into um, bushwalking and, and hiking and um, can name all the plants and stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting back connected back to that side of myself and um, sailing as well. My dad's got a yacht, so I hope to go sailing and, and you know, all that sort of stuff is... is, is I've got a new appreciation for it. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, So what about the other thing uh, with 12-step programs is getting involved in helping other people. So what sort of things do you do inside NA that brings you into, the, I guess, the fellowship? Yeah. Um, So I do – I help out at meetings. I've got what they're they're called – what's called is service positions. So, you know, there's literature and and greeter and – a secretary and a treasurer, so people that just support the meetings and and help them run. Yeah. Um. You know, I d- I've got a few service positions at meetings. Um. You know, I help out. We had a convention this year, and I made coffee and um served quite a few coffees. Yeah. 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 So I guess part of it is is giving back. Yeah. And um and it's not. I think the thing about it is it's not paying back. It's sort of paying forward. It's yeah. helping the new person rather than helping the person who helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah, that's quite different, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's always that, that person that came in, you know, the same as you were, who who can't see, you know, a future without the use of drugs. And, you know, you can put out a hand to them and, and tell them your story. And and that in itself is just enough. You know. Yeah. It was enough for me when I first came in. And, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful part about recovery and NA. Yep, that sounds good. Okay, well, where are we? We're nearly at time. Um, so is there anything that you'd say to, I guess, to families of drug users who the drug users are not thinking of stopping? Yeah. You know, is, there, is there anything they can do that, I guess, will help the situation? Yeah. Um, just show them unconditional love, you know. They're not, they don't have a moral deficiency. They're not deliberately doing this stuff they're not make they're just not making the best decisions right now and all you can do is be there for them and just love and support them and sort of put a hand on their shoulder and say it's going to be all right and and just eventually you know something will change you know it's not going to be anything you say or do it's going to be it's it's going to be their own realization and and they have to come to that themselves before they make a decision to um put down the drugs but you know not not enabling them at the same time, you know, and, yeah. and supporting that kind of behaviour is, is important as well. Yeah, yeah, enabling's a big one, isn't it? It's, yeah. Um, it really just keeps people in the same situation. Yeah, because I, I, even if I think of my own experience, if 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 I didn't hit, you know, homelessness or 
um, have that desperation to use more drugs and steal and, and take money and, and it, in turn having that, you know, turn my life and, and put it where it was, I, I wouldn't have made a decision to get clean because if I'm comfortable and I'm using, well, why not just stay there? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's probably that's probably the end. Um, if anybody's interested in contacting Narcotics Anonymous, um, you can give them a call on 03... Uh, 95252833 or go online to navic.net.au That's all we've got time for today so I'd like to thank Simon again for coming into 3CR studio at short notice thanks Simon thank you Uh, and also for sharing his Narcotics Anonymous recovery experience with us I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about living with the family disease of alcoholism and we'll be joined by some members of Alan Family Groups Thanks for listening to Living Free Program, but stay tuned for Black Noise Radio, uh, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news, views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective.